Welcome to the Ridge Life Podcast. We at Pleasant Ridge Christian Fellowship trust this message will be an encouragement to you. Please join with us as we look into God's Word with Pastor Mike Bird. Let's go ahead and open our Bibles up to Ephesians chapter 6. And uh, we've been observing this uh, portion of Scripture over the past few weeks. And... um, I believe as you live out the truths of Scripture in your own personal life, as you determine that, yes, I'm going to follow Jesus, I'm going to follow what the Bible has to say, uh, you are going to encounter uh, struggles, difficulties, attacks. Uh, Jesus said, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. So um, it's important for us to understand that uh, Satan and all the spiritual forces of, of evil will be at war with you. And Paul's been trying to give us this understanding that we are in God's army. And in order for us to uh, stand and to uh, be able to defend against the attacks of uh, Satan, then uh, we are going to have to take up his armor And we're going to have to use his strength. It's not our armor or our strength. It's his armor. It's his strength. And uh, in order for us to stand, uh, we need truth, as we've already talked about. And uh, we also need righteousness. He talked about the belt of truth, the the, the breastplate of righteousness. But also, uh, we're going to look at the third piece of armor. And in order for us to stand against the evil spiritual forces, Paul says, we need shoes. We need shoes in order to stand. And so this is what I want you to take away with you uh, today. Put your shoes on so you can stand against the evil spiritual forces. Put your shoes on so you can stand against the evil spiritual forces. So let's take a look here at our text here. Ephesians 6, verse number 15. And as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So he's making a connection here with the previous verses. He's talking about standing. And he's saying, if you're going to be able to stand, if you want to stand, then you need to have the shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. So number one, we need the shoes to defend and stand. Paul tells us that the Christian needs shoes. Other translations uh, read sandals, which I like that word better uh, because I think it fits a lot uh, more along the lines with what Paul is talking about with the Roman uh, armor that uh, they would have wore during that day. And uh, if you can see here, I have on several different types of footwear here. Um, Most of these are my wife's shoes. No children today, by the way. Um, so, um, but uh, most of these are my wife's shoes here. And um, I wanted to kind of give you an, an idea that there are different types of footwear for different types of uses. Um, you wouldn't expect to be um, laying up brickwork in a pair of dress shoes, although you could do that, but I wouldn't recommend it. Um, I wouldn't recommend going hiking in a pair of slippers. Okay? It wouldn't be useful. It wouldn't be the right type of footwear uh, to wear 
uh, for the, the purpose that you were going to be doing. And so Paul says that the Christian, in order to stand, he needs these shoes. And uh, proper footwear can make a huge difference in the uh, type of activity you're doing, whether it be hiking, playing a sport, or even fighting in a war. In Paul's days, soldiers uh, did not necessarily have landmines uh, like we have today. In fact, what the enemy would often do is they would sharpen uh, spikes or some type of, uh, of material and they would uh, implant it in the ground at an angle and then would cover it up with leaves or some type of camouflage and when a army was coming through there if they were to step on that uh, it would greatly injure their foot and uh, even in uh, uh, the time of uh, the Vietnam War uh, the, uh, the, the enemy used what they called punji sticks. And those punji sticks were meant to cripple the enemy. And so they devised a way of, of developing the, the boot that the, the soldier would wear and they would have a steel plate in the bottom of it as to that they would not get hurt by a punji stick. So in Paul's days, uh, they wore kind of like a sandal and that sandal uh, was made out of real rough leather, hard leather. And on the bottom of the sandal, it would have almost like cleats. And on the bottom of, those, on the bottom of that sandal, they were like hard nails that were put into the bottom of that. So it would give the soldier grip. So they'd be able to, to, to defend and to stand. Because if you're running around just with sandals on... I can remember a few times going to the store and I may have a pair of flip-flops on and it might have been raining outside and I'm walking into the store and they got that nice wax floor. <laughs> right? And so God says that we need shoes. We need the proper type of shoes in order to stand against the attacks of Satan. Now I know some Bible translators uh, look at this passage as to when he talks about the gospel as how we need to be preaching the gospel and we need to be carrying the gospel. I get that. I understand that. But that's not the context of what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about standing firm against the attacks of the gospel. And so Paul tells us here that the soldier who follows Christ has to be armed with military-type sandals. So we need to understand that we need this type of armor to stand against the attacks of the enemy. It's absolutely imperative in order to have a strong footing in battle and in order to stand against Satan that we use the shoes of the gospel of peace. Why do we need the shoes of the gospel? Because it is the gospel that is under attack today. So as Christians in God's army, we must clearly understand the gospel so that we can defend it against its attacks. So what is the gospel? I often ask people when I'm counseling them, I ask them that question, I say, can you tell me what the gospel is? Usually they say words like, well, it's love, it's mercy, it's grace. And I, I get that, I understand that. But what is the gospel? What is it? It's good news. 
The good news, that's what the gospel means. The good news is that although we all have sinned against God and deserve his eternal judgment, because of his great love and mercy, he sent his own son to bear the penalty that we deserve. We receive God's gift of salvation by faith alone, apart from any merit or good works on our part. We all know, most of us know John 3, 16. It's one of the most simplest and most beloved verses and most understanding of explaining the gospel. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Or as Paul said to the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, 31, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. The gospel is so simple on one level and on another level, it is deep and profound. Paul says of the gospel in 1 Corinthians 15 that it is the gospel in which we stand and which we are saved unless we have believed in vain. And what's so amazing about the gospel is there are ever deepening levels for us to come into our understanding of it. That's why I don't necessarily believe that we just have the gospel. We say, okay, great, I'm saved. I got the gospel. That's it. No, we need the gospel every single day of our lives because that is what we stand in. That is what we grow in as a believer in Christ. Satan hates the gospel and is always attacking it from various angles. We see this repeatedly within the pages of the New Testament where false teachers quickly perverted the essentials of the gospel. Paul wrote to the Galatians to defend the gospel because those that claimed to believe it, but they added the Jewish rite of circumcision to faith as necessary for salvation. Paul rails against them in the strongest possible language. Listen to how Paul says and what he says to these people who are perverting the message of the gospel. Galatians 1, 6, 9. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are following a different gospel. Not that there really is another gospel, but there are some who are disturbing you and wanting to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be condemned to hell. He used the word anathema, or let him be accursed. As we have said before, and now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, let him be accursed. That's pretty strong language. Paul took a stand against the gospel. Paul defended the gospel. He wanted to make sure that people got the message right. Even Peter and Barnabas for a short while had compromised the gospel by trying to gain favor of those false teachers there in Galatia until Paul confronted them face to face. Listen to what Paul said. Galatians 2, 11 through 14, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he had clearly done wrong. Until certain people came from James, he had been eating with the Gentiles, but when they arrived, he stopped doing this and separated himself because he was afraid of those who were pro-circumcision. 
And the rest of the Jews also joined with him in this hypocrisy, so that even Barnabas was led astray with them by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not behaving consistently with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, if you, although you a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you try to force the Gentiles to live like Jews? The Apostle John wrote much of this in the first epistle to warn his readers against those who were trying to deceive them. 1 John 2.26, these things I have written to you about those who are trying to deceive you. Unfortunately, there still are attacks today on the gospel. Satan has not stopped his attack. He wants to destroy the work of the gospel. That's so what the Bible says. It says the, the, those that are unbelievers, their, their minds, their eyes are blinded. The God of this world has blinded their eyes, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ should shine unto them. We are seeing more and more of this as the world is waxing worse and worse. How do you spot a false gospel? How do you spot it? You have to know the true one. You have to study it. You have to be acquainted with it. It has to be the very fabric and makeup of your life. You have to know what the gospel says so that way you can spot the fakes. God's word should be the only standard to which we measure and evaluate everything. Not our feelings or what we think God should say. We take the Bible for what it says at face value. We believe it and cling to it. And the gospel should encompass our whole life. Paul said that the gospel is the power of God to those who are being saved. He also said that he determined to know nothing else except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul was so moved by the message of the gospel that his ultimate goal in life was to know him and the power of his resurrection and that he may share in his sufferings becoming like him in his death. So if we're going to defend against the attacks of the gospel, we must be crystal clear in our understanding of it. Anything that is added to the gospel, anything that is added to that very simple message of the gospel is false. When we decide and start thinking, well, we're going to remove these things of the gospel, we're going to add this to the gospel, then we've taken away our need of the Savior. When you hear people say things like, God is so big and so loving, he welcomes all religions and faith, false when you hear that uh, people say God is so loving he wouldn't send anyone to hell, false. When you hear people say just as long as you're sincere in your heart, false. When you hear people say Jesus plus baptism or Jesus plus good works or Jesus plus you fill in the blank, false. Jesus died for all people so everyone will be in heaven one day, false. The emergent church movement places an emphasis that you can have your own truth. That whatever truth you determine is truth. And if you want to believe that truth, then that truth will lead you to the light. False. 
The emerging church also attacks the atonement of Christ. It proclaims a tolerant, all-inclusive universalism that does not confront sinners with their need to repent and believe the gospel. When we remove the message of sin, the holiness of God, make people feel good so they won't be offended, we've compromised the gospel. And it's so important that we stand firm with the gospel. There are some so-called Christian movements and pastors that preach a false gospel that promises health and wealth to everyone. There are religions out there that lure through a message of salvation by ritualism and good works. The cults have a works-based offer to salvation, such as Jehovah Witnesses and Mormonism. Eastern religions promise salvation through mysticism and works. And the list goes on and on and on and on and on it goes. So we have to be crystal clear as to what the gospel says so that way we can defend against it. So how do we defend against it? You have to put your shoes on. How do we put our shoes on? The Bible's very clear on this of how we can do this. Come back next week, and I'll tell you how you put your shoes on. Let's pray together. If you're interested in more information about our church or knowing the peace that Jesus gives, visit our website at lifeattheridge.church.